Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And the crowd's all back together again for another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, last week, uh, Joe Rodriguez, my partner here, uh, had to step away. He's got a lot of big responsibilities now. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the responsibilities last week when we were set to do the show came at the last minute. So he got away. Uh, but we had a great show, I have to say, Joe. And, uh, you know, since... One Rodriguez was unable to make it. We brought in another Rodriguez, and he did a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm very happy to hear that, Dave. And I apologize, obviously, as I said last week, to you and uh, Joe and and our guests uh, that were on the show. But as you mentioned, uh, the responsibilities are, are I I forgot what they were like. Uh, you know, since I hadn't been in charge for seven or eight years, and totally forgot all about that. And Got slapped in the face last week to remind me of that. So, uh, but I'm so happy to be back. Well, of course, the uh, the big Lucky Hearts Poker Open, one of the first major tournaments live in the United States, uh, took place last week. A whole series of events, and it seemed like just like the old days, uh, except that there are plexiglass barriers in between the players, and the tables are spread out very wide in a large ballroom. Uh, but they finished things up last week. I got a great story to talk about uh, that's involved with the tournament. And uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, big tournament over at uh, Casino Miami Highlight. I finished my run over there for Highlight Action. And uh, my very last day was uh, first big tournament there in a while. Uh, $5,000 guaranteed tournament uh, that Joe ran over there. And uh, I know that you were very pleased with the turnout and how things uh, went. Tell us a little bit about what happened over there at uh, Miami this week, this past weekend. Well, yeah, Dave. Um, yeah, we had a 5000 guarantee, 2500 guarantee for first place for a $60 buy-in. And, um, you know, for our listeners who aren't from the South Florida area, um, you know, we still have some restrictions here in, in Dade where um, I could only open up seven tables in my room and they most I can have seated is seven players. So... You know, didn't know how that would go over, to be honest with you, Dave. I know that uh, the the Hard Rock has been getting great turnouts. People have always wanted to play. But, hey, we got it out there. And um, it was starting at 1 o'clock on Sunday. And as is with most, a lot of these tournaments, Dave, they, they show up very late. Well, I held the start of the tournament about 10 minutes and had a full, had, you know, 49 players with about eight or nine alternates, like right away. Right in the beginning. Uh, right in the beginning. And we wound up with a total of uh, 66 players as entrants. You know, once okay. the alternates got in and, you know, I did a two hour uh, end of registration with, with a 15 minute, break, well, actually two 15 minute breaks in there. So it's so about two and a half hours for you to do an add-on at, at that break period, and it had been and would rebuys. And Dave, let me tell you something. When the end, when the end of registration ended, um, I still had about eight or nine alternates 
who couldn't get in. And I had I offered them the um, you know uh, the option of either you get your sixty dollars back, or you can enter as soon as people get eliminated because obviously elimination now no one can can rebuy back in. They all chose the latter, and you know. Um, it was great, you know. Tournament started, like I said, about one fifteen instead of one o'clock. We got to a final table of seven players. Uh, they gave at quarter to at actually twenty seven. Uh, they sat down. We never dealt a hand on that final table. Okay. They uh, they, they You're negotiated. At the to, to well, they, they negotiated for a good ten minutes. Um, I had a nice little bonus, just you know, just. To, change, spice things up, change it a little bit. Uh, whoever was leader in the final table earned an extra $150 bonus. So that gentleman got that money. It was amazing because, to be honest with you, with the way the chips were, I didn't think this particular deal would work out. But uh, they decided to do, to make life easy for us, an equal seven-way chop of the – oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. The um, – the buyers and everything generated a prize pool of $6,300. So we were able to go from seven to 10 places. When we did get to the final seven, there was a $5,700 prize pool. First place was going to be $3,100. Um, so they made a deal, seven-way chop. And then the six players that were not the chip leader were all going to give the uh, chip leader an extra $100 out of, all, you know, out of their money. Okay. And it was nice and easy, as they say, because I have been, I once ran a $50,000 uh, guarantee many years ago, and Big Dave at 10 at night on a, on a Saturday or Sunday night, I can't remember when it was, I was down to three people. They had agreed to a chip chop uh, deal, and one of the guys made some snide remark that he was, you know, that the other two were very lucky that he was agreeing to it. And, you know, the machismo down here in South Florida. <laughs> Needless to say, five freaking hours later, these three guys were still playing. And that's when they finally decided to do the chip job. So they played an additional five hours for absolutely wow. no reason at all. Which which is tough because when you're running the room, you know, you want everybody to be happy, but you also want to get out of there. You've been there all day and, uh, you know, the dealer's at the table and everybody's groaning uh, when, when something like that happens because you thought you're out yep. of there and then you're not. And it starts affecting everybody's money because the downs get less and less yeah, as you're going on. Right. You know. And, and that was it, you know. Um, like I said, it was uh, it was a huge success. The room was full. I was very very happy because you know you could only sit forty nine people. You know you need a lot of rebuys, and um, you know what was great, Dave, was I probably had a good forty forty five people that I had not seen in the room before there. Oh, that's terrific. So you know, what so that was great. One thing I wanted to ask you was you started the tournament. You said you had seven or eight alternates waiting, but you also had a $50 rebuy. It was a $60 entry fee and then $50 rebuys. So some people come with the intention of playing four or five bullets if they have to. And so it's very hard to get any alternates in. Is it not right away? No, right away was forget right away. The first alternate didn't get in there till, um, all right, the way the Bravo was set up for some reason, which is something else that we're working with trying to get adjusted to, Dave. 
Um, it did list people as buying in after 49. It kept listing everybody who bought a ticket as an alternate. So as I mentioned, we had 17. When level nine started, approximately two and a half hours after we had started the tournament, we had eight or nine alternates that had not gotten in. So you're talking about only eight players, eight or nine out of the out of the 17 alternates got in before registration ended. So you right, know, right. that was amazing. Like you said, people came in firing. You know, it's it, to be honest with you, uh, first time that's happened to me, you know, that that I don't know if it's because of lack of tournaments in the area, Big Dave, you know, people just getting that itch. But uh, no one wanted to get up. Nobody wanted to get up. Right. I... Uh, it was, you know, and the players who did have to wait were playing uh, the designated player games, the DTs, the ultimate hold'em games that are that we offer here in, in Florida now. And to be honest with you, the complaints were so mild uh, concerning uh, the people who were waiting, going, "Oh, there should be more seats." And I'm like, "Well, listen." I couldn't agree more with you, but unfortunately, <laughs> I, I go, unfortunately, you know, this, this is what we're restricted to because of uh, local, uh, you know, local laws because of the COVID here in, in Dade County, Miami-Dade. And um, it ran smooth. I didn't hear any arguments on the table. I didn't see anybody complaining. Um, I believe within the first level or second level at the absolute most one person crossed the line uh didn't quite understand because of the language barrier uh he was forced to leave his chips in the center and, and I, you know, I went over all the all the house rules before the start of the tournament and uh he actually didn't get that upset about it re-entered because i believe he lost his chips there and it didn't occur anywhere else like i said uh, for the first tournament david it it ran almost as smooth as it could run, and right, you know, right. I wasn't sure that was going to be the case. So, well, you've uh, had about a week since then. Uh, what is the outcome? Uh, will you be doing others uh, very soon? It looks like I uh, intend to speak with our. I still call him your boss too, Big Dave. But uh, I was talking with, with the boss man. Um, it. I believe I'll be able. You know, I believe we're going to run one again at the end of this month. Uh, that's okay. the last Sunday of the month. It just hasn't been written down in stone yet. But going forward, Dave, you know, one, maybe two a month, if, if you know, just just to keep it up because obviously we're a smaller room, can't compete against the big rooms uh, like right. the Hard Rock or if any of our other competitors decide to run that have bigger rooms. Um, so I'm going to, you know, monitor the situation, monitor the competition, and you know, we're here more for the people to have fun. They got very excited when I told them that the price pool had grown to 63, 6400, and that first place had grown to 3100, and, and actually it was 3152 was the amount that they were getting for first. Well, the Seminole Hard Rock Lucky Hearts Poker Open was concluded uh, the week before, so that really wasn't any competi competition for you. Uh, just to give you an idea for future reference, I, did, I was over at the Isle Casino and picked up uh, their tournament schedule, and they are running a Sunday 3 p.m. 8 max tournament with re-entries, uh, 130 buy-in, and a 3,000 monster stack uh, guarantee. So uh, 3,000 guarantee? 3,000. Yours was 5,000 for, 5, for less, for less of a buy-in. 
for 60 and, uh, you know, um, I understand that we would probably have some players that came from uh, from Broward County, but, uh, you know, we we do have a distance from the aisle to us. Yeah, I would say <laughs> it's about uh, 70 miles, something like that. But, no, uh, it's, it's closer to about 45, 50. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, you might be right. But they're not really – they're not really a direct, uh, you know, competition for you. So, uh, no, no, uh, no one. You are you are drawing people from other rooms around the uh, Dade County area, though, highly and uh, Magic City and that sort of thing. I am, uh, you know, I've, you know, I, again, Dave, you know, I've done this for many, many, many years, and um, I've changed some of the, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, the attitude and the, um, you know, how everything is running the room. I'm, I'm losing my my mind now because I can't think of the. The ambiance in the room, as far as that is concerned, and what I'm trying to think of is, you know, people are, are enjoying it. That, that yeah. I, you know, the, the changes they like the changes. I'm not putting up with some of the people that have been creating troubles in the room, and I want people to have a really, really good time when they're in that in that room. And uh, I believe it's definitely, you know, people are responding to that. Well, very good. So, um... I, uh, you know, some of these places have tried tried to start having regular tournaments. Is your goal to have a weekly event? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's going to you're going to establish a monthly event first. But uh, uh, is there a demand there to have something uh, more than once a month? Well, again, I would love to be able to do that day, but in a room like ours, um, it's a twelve table room. Yeah, tell, restrictions tell, are tell severe. The so the restrictions are severe, and if we do, you know, once the restrictions are lifted, um, I would love to run at least a Sunday tournament. I used to do that before, Dave. I used to run a uh, $10,000 guarantee every Sunday starting at 1 o'clock with $115 or $120 buy-in. I don't quite remember the buy-in now. And um, every Sunday I'd have – Anywhere from 85 to 100 people entering with some people rebuying. I, I believe I fell short by a couple of dollars uh, of a guarantee one, one particular Sunday. But I just ran it every Sunday. And and I would open up, like I said, anywhere between eight to nine tables. Um, and it, I'd always have three or four or five live games running while that was going on because I had a, excuse me, I had a 24-table room. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, last week we had Carlo Rodriguez on who finished 20th in that uh, Lucky Hearts Poker Open. We also had Tony Burns, the uh, who was a longtime uh, uh, director of that room, now has kind of moved up in the Seminole Tribe company to uh, be the uh, director of marketing. So he handles all the different uh uh, shows and last week when we had them on, they were not quite finished with the main event. There were still several events to come, but I did want to run down some of that because there's just a tremendous story here on the winner of the uh, tournament uh, for the. Uh, and, and when I was there, I, there was two tables left. I, I talked with Ronnie Barda, and there were a couple other players there that I knew who they were. Uh, but um, the gentleman who ended up winning the tournament. Uh, was actually uh, an Afghan ref refugee. 
He's been in this country for a while, but uh, the story came out afterwards. And I, you know, he was there. I, I didn't notice anything different, obviously, when we were there. But his name is uh, Elias Maradi. And uh, he came to the United States. Uh, his father actually was killed by a bomb there in the early 2000s. And uh, he came to the United States and had some problems uh, because he was uh, selected by ICE. Uh, he was put into prison. And uh, actually, let's see. He came to the United States as a refugee when he was when he was 12 or 13 years old, which would be shortly after the Afghanistan invasion by the U.S. And he lost his green card along the way when he was in high school because he was busted for marijuana possession. So he's been having trouble getting a job throughout his career. But in 2017, he finally found uh, an attorney that was gonna help him uh, get a job, get his green card and he screwed up again. He went to Mexico with some friends and at three o'clock in the morning, they told him to, the ICE agents told him to get out of the car and they sent him to ICE detention for 27 months in Laredo, Texas. Uh, finally got out in October of 2019. Now he moved and he found some friends that played poker in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he has uh, played poker for uh, for many years, but of course couldn't play in all the time he was in detention. So uh, he, he he missed it. He wanted to get into action, and he ended up playing in this tournament, and he won the event for six hundred and two thousand dollars. Holy cow! Very good for him. Really, but uh, he most said he mostly plays online tournaments and. Uh, the only reason he played in the event was because he had a plane flight that he missed the flight. And so he came back to the Hard Rock and decided to uh, spend like uh, his last $400 on a, on a satellite event. He won the satellite to get into this $3,500 event and ends up uh, getting the win. It was unbelievable. And how much did he collect? 602000 Wait, oh, I thought you were saying he had won before six hundred something thousand. You mean no? The uh, the four hundred dollar event. He uh, he won that satellite, which gave him a seat in the tournament. Thirty five hundred dollar buying tournament. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I misunderstood. I I thought he had won six hundred thousand in a previous tournament and no. came down here and won this. So. No, he had he had like no money. Basically, he came down to play a little bit. I don't know how much exactly he had, but obviously, uh, you know, he was pretty much strapped, and he 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 decided to play the satellite, and ended up winning the tournament. So, uh, Elias Maradi is his name. Well, congratulations to him. Yeah, it's a great story. You get some of these twenty these things. And uh, it happens occasionally, but uh, there was a great uh, series of events over there, and they had a few more after that. So uh, finishing up, uh, there were several uh, fairly well-known players. Uh, one of the big players from down here in South Florida is uh, uh, Scott Baumstein. He won an event. And uh, <clears throat> Chad Eveslage uh, won. Leaf Force from Tallahassee won an event. Ryan DePaulo, who is actually a friend of Marauders, uh, picked up an event, and uh, one of the great names in uh, in poker, Dash Dudley, picked Dash up an event. Dudley. So, 
So a big series of events. They had, uh, I guess, 26 events altogether and a nice turnout. And uh, the safety protocols were all in place. And they were able to put this thing together. It's in pretty much incredible. So uh, I think, uh, obviously, they're headed next for the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Showdown, hopefully in April. And uh, Tampa has a tournament later this month. So things starting to get a little bit back to normal uh, on the circuit and on uh, the Seminole Tribe down here in South Florida. It's not only South Florida, but all of Florida. So. Uh, congratulations to all those winners. And, uh, well, we know that Tony Burns and the people over there at the Hard Rock do a first-class job on everything they do. So congratulations on a very successful uh, series. There. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Uh, one question I want to ask you, kind of uh, get those uh, Facebook notifications uh, from that poker dealer's site. And I was kind of surprised. I don't know if you looked at it the last couple of days, but uh, – there was a guy who said he was interested in opening a poker room and he was hoping he could yeah. get some information on what dealers make in different areas of the country. And it was funny. It, it turned into a big argument. I don't know if you saw it, but a couple of people are angry that they actually brought it up and said, you know, that's private business. I don't know why you're asking for that on a, on the, uh, on a chat room, but um, it was what funny. Upset about? Well, they were, there was just a couple people, but that were upset that, said that was private information and you know shouldn't be talking and people shouldn't be talking about what they what? make and that sort of thing that's that to me is stupidity it's, but the, it's the thing like, i found interesting is that it varied widely from minimum wage as a payment for poker dealers uh you know depending on the room but i've seen i saw 15 dollars an hour out in washington state and of course, this is just uh, base pay before you uh, collect your tips, but that often you can make 25, 30 bucks an hour. Um, <laughs> maybe not anymore. In South Florida, you left yourself quite short for some people. Oh, yeah. That's a lot more than short. that. I put it this way I had one dealer this past week because of the DP and they keep their own tips, Dave. Let me see. Um, here in South Florida, we take out anywhere from 10 to 15% of the dealer's tips to uh, compensate supervisors, chip brushes, because if you don't, you're never going to have one in your room. You're never going to be able to run your room because everybody's going to want a deal. Right. And uh, we had uh, we, we had one, one, one young person in our room. They got paid biweekly. This was this was after their 12% once we moved. Only made about $40, $400, not to mention their hourly wage. So uh, here in South Florida, you make a hell of a living as a dealer. If you're good, you have a good personality, and you can, you can get into just about any room here in South Florida, you can make, you know, e easily fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a week in tips. How and, much? And fifteen hundred to two thousand in tips. In a week? A week. Wow. Yeah, I've got one particular young man that he rarely goes under, you know, rarely goes under those numbers. Uh, if he goes under the first number that I gave you, it's been a really bad two weeks for him. Yeah. It's just uh, tippers. This is it. This is a, uh, a a a dream come true for for dealers down here in South Florida because they don't tip like this in all the country. You know. Well, uh, well there is a of. there is a tip out to uh, floor personnel and uh, the cage. Uh, it's a lot of places. Um, 
I guess why would anybody want to be a floor if you could make that kind of money? I guess because there's a certain well, amount of power that people enjoy. Well, remember, you know, um, some of them, you know what happens, Dave, and I'm not just talking people our age, you know, because I, I still enjoy every now and then just sitting at the table and dealing because uh, I'm a little understaffed right now. And sometimes I, you know, I'll jump in to do the push. People, they know that now um, physically, you know, you may not get back. That's what happens a lot to dealers. They have back problems. Um, other physical right. ailments that people don't think about because you say, oh, they're just sitting down and dealing. Sometimes it's just gotten too much after too many years of dealing with, you know, and again, when you hear someone like me tell you the the, the pain in the asses at the table, you know, uh, the dealer chick, may she rest in peace, that I used to love her, her, her columns, you know, you deal with 98, 99% of the people are just wonderful people. You know, they're just regular people like us, some much nicer than others. But that one, one and a half percent of complete morons, you know, and that, and that's probably being an insult to morons, you know, around the world. <laughs> These people are just such nasty human beings that you don't want to deal with them anymore. You just, because you're going to constantly be dealing as a supervisor. They don't give you the same grief that they'll give a dealer uh, because they know that for the most part, you have the power to, to exclude them from the room. And if they continually do this, but they just know how to get on the dealer's skins. And it just, even though you're making that kind of money, if you've gotten to that point in, in your career, you know, you prefer to just move up. You know, my, to be honest with you, I gave up making a lot, a lot of money to become a, a just a plain supervisor with the thought process that if I ever wanted to run my own rule, that was the crossroads in my in my career. I had to decide whether whether to continue to make a lot of money as a dealer, in, and I'll be honest with you, in private games, and know that that was a limited time, and my window to become a supervisor had just opened up and I had to make a decision and I made that decision, not knowing that I would be in the position that I, you know, that I've been in, but, um, I had to work oof, twice as hard and probably almost twice as much to make a little bit more than half of what I was making. <laughs> okay. Wow. So, uh, you know, when people looked at it and heard me talking about it, you'd be like, what are you doing? I was talking about morons that, yeah, they would be looking at my picture in the dictionary, you know, uh, <laughs> on Wikipedia. But I enjoyed it, you know, and my interaction with people. And that decision many, many, many years ago uh, allowed me, you know, uh, led to my teaching, you know, training career of dealers, of um, just moving up the ladder to – to where I've been enjoying talking to you now for right. uh, almost 11 years. Get your own, get your own radio show. There uh, you go. Was, so, was that always you your goal in the beginning uh, when you got in, or that was just it was suddenly offered, and then you had to decide what direction you wanted to go in? Well, that's a great question, Dave, because um, I've, I've been playing poker of one form or another since I'm a teenager. I love to gamble. Um once I got married and had my own family, I knew I had to, I had to choose one side or the other. So I, you know, I got on the other side of the fence, so to speak. And 
you know, I don't know how this is going to sound to you cheesy or not. Um, I got treated incredibly. Uh, but I also knew, you know, I've learned, I've, I know the streets, I know street smarts, I know book smarts. Um, and I got treated a lot, lot, lot better than most people in my position and, and people underneath me because I knew how to get along with people. Now, that being said, I didn't think it was fair. Yeah. And I always dreamt that if given the opportunity to run my own room, I would run it very differently. And, you know, thank God. That was it. You know, I, I, again, I was making, I was doing quite well. Let's just put it that way. Uh, dealing private games and playing, playing poker myself. Um, I knew that that lifestyle for me was not very conducive to being in a marriage for a long term right. <laughs> and raising right. a family. So I said, if I'm going to get into the casino side of it, um, Either I have to decide to become a manager because at that time that I made that decision, Dave, uh, the casino game itself, okay, was a quarter 50 cent game. You remember yeah, that, Yeah, right, Dave? yeah, exactly. Okay, and even though at, at the Seminole Classic, which God bless them, you know, you could make 100 and change a night, you know, which wasn't great, but it wasn't bad for that back then, you know, my thought process was always that down the road sooner or later, Florida will, you know, will open its eyes and wake up and, you know, and join the rest of the real world and, and allow, you know, high stakes gambling. And I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get on the management side. Yeah. If I'm going to get on the management side, I want to be, I want to be the one calling shots. Well, and I think you, you knew at that time, it. probably you knew at that time that, any playing career was really kind of out of the question. Everybody has their own goals. Uh, you know, some, a lot of dealers out there know that they want to, they would like to be on the circuit. They would like to play in Vegas every year. Uh, you know, you look at guys like the grinder and his brother, Rob, uh, Ms. Rocky. Um, they always wanted to play and had very successful careers. They started as dealers. Now, if you're a dealer and you want to play, then that kind of foregoes the, uh, the management side of the business, but some people are driven by the fact that they want to uh, be directors of other people. Uh, you talked about your teaching stuff that, that came in later. So, you know, you can't have all parts of the business really, can you? No. And yes, and the credit to today's managers, uh, you know, I, I literally take that virtual hat off to these guys because Dave, when I started in this business, it was, it was suited for my strengths, you know, my, the way I treat people, I like to treat people with the utmost respect, you know, uh, you know, it's an old cliche, but my father taught my brother and I treat people the way you want to be treated. And I've lived by that very much. So my entire life. Okay. Uh, I've always shown respect. I was blessed with my father's mind of remembering a lot of things, especially when I was young about people, I enjoy engaging them in conversation. I love teaching. So the game, the management game was a lot easier. Okay. And when I tell some of today's dealers, some of the horrific things that, that I have seen, and I'm not going to even go over them here in the show as far as how female dealers were treated. And again, being a father of three girls and, you know, comments that were made by superiors to other people, it's not acceptable today. 
Okay, I didn't think it was right back then. But now the flip side of that coin, Dave, is too many of these deals are so soft. I mean, they are really, really soft. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, to the point where, you know, some of the old school stuff uh, it gets to you where you're like, you know, listen, yeah, just please do me a favor, shut up and deal. You know, uh, it just, it's, uh, I'd be here talking for way too long and probably get myself into trouble <laughs> getting into it. But, uh, you know, the, you, you develop, you either developed a hard skin, you know, back, back when I dealt, okay, or you found another business to get into. You know, and even if you develop that hard skin, that doesn't mean you didn't go home and bang your head against the wall a few times because there were a bunch of real assholes, you know, assholes and, right. and, and complete idiots who were given uh, power and... Um, didn't know how to handle it. Didn't know. It's not that they didn't know how to handle it. They, they were drunk with it. Yeah, you understand? Power, they yeah. were drunk yeah, with it. I know that, listen, I've made great friends with a lot of police officers in my lifetime. I've worked with them because of working off duty. But I remember some of the people that I knew in high school and in other you know, other places that uh, became officers, and you know they let's say they were they lacked some character. Let's put it that way. As we were growing up, and uh, you know once once they put the badge on, you know they, in my opinion, abused the uh, yeah. You know, and that, the and that, that, that obviously had. that obviously <clears throat> still exists. But I guess exactly. the final question for you is. Uh, uh, regrets, uh, as the great Frank Sinatra used to sing for years and years. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Uh, as you look back on your career now, and of course, you got a long way to go, and a lot of things can still happen differently. Uh, do you regret the choices you made? Mm, no, my biggest regret, maybe right now, it's another great question, Dave. Um, when this opportunity <clears throat> to work at Casino Miami, which as you know, was Miami Highlight, my brother had become a postman, had become a mailman, you know, uh, maybe six, seven months earlier and had advised me to take the, uh, you know, the, the test that you had to take. And shortly after I had become the manager and was in charge of the room and doing everything that I did, I got the call. So, do I, the only thing I regret is that he's retired. He just retired, <laughs> so I could have been easily retiring. But no, I've enjoyed the way I believe I've changed some people's lives um, for the good. Um, it is a wonderful feeling um, to walk into a lot of places and have so many people thank me, speak so kindly of me. You know telling other people the things I've done to help, to help them along their ways. So from that part of it, it's been extremely rewarding yeah. from a, uh, from a family side. It's allowed me to raise, you know, help my daughter and I raise, um, you know, three incredible children, put them through private schools. Um, and Dave, you know, if it wasn't for that, Forget about the fact that we've done this show, but I would never have met you. Yeah. I would not have obviously through this. That would have been, have, a, that, know, that would have been a real Joe, loss. Yeah, Joe and Gio, the wonderful people that I've exactly. met. So, yes, absolutely. 
priorities correct, at least. Well, speaking of meeting people, speaking before we take a break, uh, I want to hear about your uh, your meetup with one one of the former great. You're such a Yankee fan, and so is Joe. Yes, Costello. I am. <laughs> but you ran you ran into a former Yankee at uh, at your room. Tell me a little bit about uh, meeting this fella. Well, I, again, and, and for those who aren't Yankee fans, you're going to probably hate this, but for those people that are fans, they're going to love the story, I believe. Um, I wear a Yankee lanyard that has my ID and carries my state ID and my name tag and everything. So I had stepped out right outside the doors of, of, of where the book room is, Dave, without speaking with our uh, marketing director, because I still have some stuff to do on the, on the casino hosting side. And when we were done speaking, he goes inside and there was a gentleman standing about five, six feet in front of me who looked like he had, you know, he had a Yankees and big Yankee letters on, on the sweatshirt or whatever he was wearing. And I looked at him, I go, nice, nice, nice jacket you're wearing there. So I'm a big Yankee fan. He turns around, he had his mask on and he saw the language. He goes, oh, so you're a big Yankee fan? I said, yeah, I even got converted my garage into a room that's, you know, dedicated to the Yankees. And I was telling him all about it. And, so how good do you know the Yankees and this and the other? One thing led to another. We're talking and he realizes, hey, I really do know the Yankees. I started telling my, you know, I was a teenager in the 70s and my Yankee teams from Thurman Munson to Bucky Dent. And this is probably a good 10, 15 minutes into knowing this man. He had not lowered his mask yet. And he goes, and I go, and one of my, you know, I go, you know, Bucky Dent. I know Reggie was there in the outfield. He reminded me about Paul Blair coming in. I go, yeah, but don't forget, he goes, one of my favorites, Mickey Rivers. Dave, Joe, I'm telling you guys, this guy, lo- Mickey Rivers? He lowered his mask and he goes, I'm Mickey Rivers. And I go, get that. And he pulled out his ID, showed me his license, showed me a, a major league lifetime pass to get into any stadium. I was like, oh, my God, Mr. Rivers, I can't believe this. This is incredible. I said, can I take a picture with you? So I took a picture with him. I said, we continued. He was telling incredible stories, especially as a Yankee fan. I mean, I felt like a 10-year-old child, Dave, to be honest with you. You know, I could all of a sudden flush back. I told him, I said, you used to drag it. It looked like your bat was too heavy for you. And he started laughing. And you remember, if you remember, his feet seemed to be a little bit bow-legged. And He's he a, great a great base dealer, though. Oh, yeah. He had almost 300 lifetime stolen bases, if I'm not mistaken. I was looking up his stats. And uh, he was a great drag bunter, you know, an art that's pretty oh, much yeah. lost in today's game. You know? Oh, yeah. And just such a genuinely nice guy. And I told him, I said, man, I go, Mr. Rivers, I, and he goes, oh, call me Mickey. I'm Mickey. I go, I wish I wasn't working because I'd love to take you out to lunch, dinner, buy you some drinks. I, I go, I could probably sit with you for hours until you get tired of seeing and hearing me. So the gentleman gave me his cell number. He goes, here's my number. Call me anytime you want. We can hook up for, for lunch or dinner, whatever you like. Did so, he play poker? I, no, no, no. He wasn't playing poker. Like I said, he sat outside. I, if he had been in my room, to be honest with you, with, I, he, I know he wasn't in the room because he had all the Yankee gear on. He had the Yankee hat and that, you know, great shirt and uh, jacket that he had on. So he wasn't in the poker room. He also had to leave. Somebody was waiting to pick him up uh, in the valet area. We were just outside the tunnel there, Dave. And um, I'm telling you, I've, since then, I've been like a little child, you know, I've been t- and I posted it on my Facebook page. And uh, coincidentally, an old great high school buddy of mine who still lives up north and is a Yankee season ticket holder. Because I can't believe this. All of a sudden, he posted on my thing. 
a picture of him and Mickey and Mickey Rivers also. And he goes, I got to meet him. He was great, blah, blah, blah. It was wonderful. Yeah, Joe. Big, big, big deal here. Uh, Mick the Quick, uh, you know, the Bronx is burning Yankees. Yeah. That's, one of the, that's, that's the thing. There's been a lot of Yankees world. It's sad being a Yankee fan that you've got to pick between all these different World Series winners. But uh, the Bronx is burning Yankees are an epic historic team. They've made documentary after documentary movie features about uh, and Mick the Quick, man. Like that is tremendous that you got to hang out with Mickey Rivers. Are you upset and, and, that uh, Joe didn't call you to drive down to Miami and meet him? Absolutely not. <laughs> like I met the guy. When Joe meets the guy, it's like I met the guy, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. a, you can this, live vicariously through my long-winded stories here, Joe. No, no rings. guys in the pictures, so no, no rings, though, Joe, huh? He's, you know, yeah, he's got he won the World ring. Listen, But was he rocking it? Started. Did he you not notice got, the ring? No, he was not wearing the ring. That's what he I'm was saying. Not wearing huh. the, no, I'm sorry, yeah. But he did win. It was funny because I go, oh, no, I, I go, I was brokenhearted when Cincinnati, and I and he goes, yeah. I go, you guys lost four straight to Cincinnati in 75. And then he goes, yeah, but in 76, I go, oh, 76, you beat the Dodgers. And then 78 was the great Bucky Dent, of which he, one of his stories was telling me because he went to Miami-Dade Community College. Oh, that's right. That's, what's, that's what's that. listed on. That's what's listed on. I looked them up. Like I said, I was like a little kid, and, and you know, went back to my childhood. I hit two ninety five. One big man, right? Two ninety five and stolen bases. And let me tell you something. He credited Bucky Dent and his family for a lot of the stuff. Because uh, you know that Bucky Dent. I go, yeah, I know Bucky Dent was from Hialeah, right down the road. And he goes, oh, those people were great to me. And like I said, I I would love. I mean, I could probably stay with this gentleman for two or three, you know, days just, well, it, you know, it, picking his mind. He was moving in with Mickey Rivers. This yeah, it, it's lucky that, or I was going to say, uh, this is another in a long line of reasons why it was important to uh, make those decisions years ago to become a poker manager. You would have never been in that uh, situation to meet him. Oh, absolutely, Dave. And let me tell you something. It's, uh, and I say this only because I find it so interesting, and I know people that have told the story. I hope that one day, being that my brother has been published, I can one day write a story about, you know, we did a show and you got complimented on it. And as a matter of fact, another person who, my brother-in-law who's now working for a gentleman who's in charge, I called her and, and please forgive me because supposedly he listens to our show weekly, um, you know, heard our show on the history uh as you Ralph Brandt yeah Ralph Brandt there it is and um you know my my brother says oh man he said he really enjoyed it and I remember we had discussed that Mike Smith had had heard it and he uh, emailed or texted you um let me tell you something I for anybody who loves poker and I might just do it just for my own sake say self um the stories I could tell I missed out you know I love Mickey Rivers but um I missed out on my when I went away for a cruise uh, a few months into working over there, and you know who did come into the poker room and played in the poker room? Who's that? Uh, the 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 current NBA uh, MVP player, uh, and the two-time MVP Giannis. Uh, Giannis Yes, he was in there. People were going, "Oh my God, the biggest human being I've ever seen." Wow. <laughs> that's pretty good. And then that's I found cool. out it was Giannis was in there. Um, I've had, um, I'm telling you, like you said, 
I didn't think about that, but yes, the people that I've had the opportunity to meet, you, you and I working there, you know, yeah. the, 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 my, my partner and folks, for those that don't know, you know, we mentioned before, but he's done ring announcing for championship, world championship fights. Uh, I stood next to Don King and one of those that, that my, my partner here and my friend Dave Lemon was uh, doing the ring announcements and I stood next to Don King and uh, heard him talk talk stuff about Mike Tyson after he had been arrested for the race charges. Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of, and, and, and it's true, Dave, uh, so many of these things would never have occurred if I had not, you know, not taken that, that, that turn in my life at that time. You know, the fork in the road, I chose, I chose left instead of right. So there you go. So wait a second. Yes, Big Dave has done ring announcements at a boxing match that Don King was at and there. Yes. Don yes, King was sir. the promoter and, uh, promoter. you know, he'd bring guys into the ring like uh, Evander Holyfield and uh, Larry Holmes and uh, Jerry Quarry. I have a couple of shots of me with Jerry Quarry, the old time boxer. But uh, yeah, a lot. I've done a lot of boxing over the years and been on uh, Showtime and uh, uh Tuesday night fights on the USA network and a couple of things like that. But that was fun. Listen, we got to get to a break. Uh, the last thing. <laughs> Big mistake, Dave. When we start talking about your storied career. Not that exciting. Unbelievable stuff. We, not no, even listen, that exciting. We're very grateful. Very grateful. Listen, just let, the final thing is you better follow up and get together with Mickey for lunch or dinner or something and ask him to tell some stories about George Steinbrenner. Well, oh my God! I well, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the show. I can give you a George Steinbrenner story by the gentleman who used to own the Isle. Coincidentally, you were talking about the uh, the Isle, um, you know, which is um, uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he was George Steinbrenner's best friend. Joe, <clears throat> you asked me about his champion a championship ring. The ring he wore was the um, the seventy seven which is George Steinbrenner's first championship with the Yankees as owner. Right. And uh, I met this man at a Dolphins game. I was specifically brought there because of being a Yankee fan because this guy sat two seats behind me and two seats to my left. And and the guy who brought me there goes, man, you got to talk to this guy. Um, he has since passed away. Um, but what a character. I would imagine no wonder they got along because he was just as gregarious as, as George was. And he saw me looking at his ring. He goes, what are you looking at? He goes, you're looking at my Yankee ring? And, you know, and I go, yeah, I was brought here to do that. So then he actually quizzed me on uh, when the Yankees lost to Kansas City uh, to go to the World Series when, uh, when the Yankees won 103 games. I know uh, back then I knew I gave him the answer before he finished the question. And Joe will know that. Remember, there was two. There, Willie Randolph was one of them. I can't remember now the other player. I'm getting too old for this shit. But um, they got thrown out. Two people got thrown out on the same play at home plate in the playoffs against Kansas City. And I can't remember who the third base coach was, who later on went to coach, if I'm not mistaken, at um, at Kansas City. Um, and George Steinberg, this guy telling me he was the most nice he's ever been was that Steinberg stood up all the wives. You know, the players and coaches were there. And he goes, what the F is wrong with this effing idiot? That talking about the third base coach. And the guy's wife was literally right in front of him. Oh, so, so that's like I said, 
I, I, I got that story because you were asking about Steinbeck. So I want to hear all the other ones too. So Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's take a break here on the program. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the newest state of the United States that is now has online poker and is underway, and that is Michigan. Uh, they are in action. We now have five states of the union that have uh, online poker, and we'll talk a little more about that when we return. Maybe a couple other things as well. Uh, I think we've lost all the Red Sox fans out there. I think they've all t- clicked off, but uh, that's okay. Uh, let's take a break here on the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll return with more of the show after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Back 
back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, and our producer, Joe Costello. Uh, Joe, you had something you wanted to add to that well, last uh, segment? Yes, because uh, just as we went to break, you said we probably lost all our Red Sox fans out there. And you know that we worked with a lot of them at Miami Highlight. But it was funny because uh, Mickey Rivers was mentioning about the year that Fred Lynn and Jim Rice. So he did mention those, you know, those two Red Sox fans. And listen, uh, as a, I don't know who your favorite baseball team is, big, big Dave, to be honest with you, but um, anybody who's got any favorite players, or if you get a chance to meet them, you act like the way I've done yeah. as, as a child. But yeah, uh, so, I respect, well, you know, listen, it's, it's amazing. Really I think it's so hilarious that you actually said his name before you re- realized you were talking to him. <laughs> I, I, well, he's wearing a mask. I mean, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> even though he does look like Mickey Rivers, he's wearing that mask at the last. Yeah, exactly. He didn't make a deal. He didn't come out right away. He was talking to me like a regular Joe and there were Mickey Rivers. That's me. <laughs> so, again, that was uh, wonderful, but. Uh, enough of me talking about Mickey Rivers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I did want to talk about this, this quick story. Uh, there's a new poker league that is on the internet. Uh, it was started by Matt Waxman. Uh, it's funny because I look at the list of players. It's a team game where uh, one player, there's eight teams. There's one player from each team is sat at a table with 100,000 chips and plays a single hand. The exact same hand, the cards are preset, is also played out at the other three isolated tables. So all told, 16 players participate in the episode, and the points are added up uh, by chips won or lost by each player for their team total. And uh, kind of interesting, it's called Poker Rhythm, Poker Rhythm, just a I-T-H-M on the end of the word poker. And the show is uh, available on... Uh, YouTube and uh, Twitch, uh, they do a new show each week. Uh, I think the next show is Tuesday at 4 p.m. So they had a, actually had a show earlier today. Uh, but I was looking at the interesting thing for me was I was looking at the list of players. And I kind of started adding up how many of the players, you know, I didn't get to a total count, but how many of the players have actually been on my show. And there was very many, but I'm going down the list. You know, you got Ronnie Barda, who I just talked with last week. You got uh, Waxman. You got um, uh, people like uh, Tyler Patterson, Patterson, uh, Jessica Dolly, Daryl Fish, people that I've talked with many, many times. So I'll have a lot of excitement watching this show. But just for your interest, Joe, I'm looking down the list of players, and there's two names on there that you're going to recognize. Michael Moed. And Angela Prada Moed are on yeah, it. Yeah, they've been they've sat right next to us in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. They are a lot of fun people. Great people, and I, very nice people. So I'm interested in checking out the show and see what it's all about. Uh, they're calling it season zero right now because this was their proof of concept season, and uh, there will be 20 regular matches. Eight teams will play 10 matches each. And they'll we play down to a championship match at the very end. But there's an article about it on Poker News. Uh, Matt Waxman is uh, the guy who uh, developed this new concept. And, um, you know, he's a local down here in South Florida. He's from Parkland. I'm not sure if he still lives here or not, but I might try to have him on the show to talk about it a little bit. Should be fun. Yeah, it sounds interesting. <laughs> Excuse me, Dave. Now, you said that the teams are set up on four different tables with identical hands. 
yeah. simulated hands. Wasn't right. there something similar to that done many years I, ago? I think there was, but I couldn't, I couldn't recall it for you I right seen, now. You mentioned that. I'm going, wait a minute. I've seen this scenario occur. I don't know if it was a training tool where people were given the same, you know, same exact hands and see how everyone played it and, and differently. So, um, yeah, that's what came to mind when you were telling the story. So seems like a combination of poker and uh, some sort of video games. But uh, Joe Cotta is in it, uh, Andrew Lichtenberger, and uh, you know there are people you all recognize, which makes it even more fun. So uh, there's actually a video on the site, of Poker News, and uh, you can check out Twitch or YouTube and uh, get that up to date. Uh, the last thing uh, I wanted to talk about here is. Uh, Michigan uh, passing uh, online poker and getting it launched in the state of Michigan. They also uh, started uh, Fox Bet uh, Sports Betting. It's the 11th of the sports books in the state of Michigan, so there's much more concentration on that. But they finally were able to kick off uh, online poker. Uh, it's provided by Poker Stars in conjunction with the Little Traverse Bay Band of Ottawa Indians. So the Indian tribe and poker stars combining for this effort. Uh, right now, they're only allowed to play uh, within state lines. So uh, no commingling. There may be some later on in the year, but uh, they become the fifth state. And, uh, you know, it's taken a while to get from the top three to add to Pennsylvania and now a couple more years to get Michigan. But uh, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the dam is breaking. That's it. You know, the, the, it, it's taken a while for the other dominoes to start to fall, but uh, hopefully they all will and uh, eventually commingle with each other. Go, you know, go, go back to what we had, <laughs> but with, uh, you know, with the oversight and, you know, regulations and rules and protection, and, which is what we've wanted, Dave. You know, we've, there's been yeah. no secret about that. You know, the players have wanted that and i would imagine that legitimate sites that are running a legitimate business and you know want to want to pay their taxes and make sure that the players feel that you know their interests are being watched and, and protected so yeah absolutely uh and actually it was kind of a surprise they just kind of launched it and uh, they said later that day they were starting uh they have some sports and the funny thing is the sports betting launched on january 22nd and uh, for that opening week, they said that that twenty five percent of all sports betting that week came from a combination of Michigan and Virginia. So that's I found that to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, think about it, Dave. And if if the state of Florida, you know, if 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 our elected officials take. Uh, take their their head out of you know where uh, and allow us to do this i believe that florida's numbers are going to be completely crazy oh, yeah. when it comes to that you know so but hey you know we had a long haul to get to where we're at now here with with, with what we have here that you and i are able to do a, a poker show uh consistent mostly of local local talent and stuff here but uh you know Florida, South Florida, you know, and Florida in general has become what? What imagine the second next to Vegas uh, for you know destination tournaments and stuff like that. Right, for sure. I mean, Florida. I mean, California is running anything obviously through the pandemic, and uh, I don't know. 
I believe that we're getting a lot more, you know, a lot more play for, for our bang for our buck, so to speak, for the tournaments that are down here at the Seminoles here in Tampa, Jacksonville with best bets. Uh, you know, I, we we don't have to take second place to anybody when it comes to poker with the state. Poker. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, we're in the uh, the start of Super Bowl week, which is being played in Tampa this year. The Tampa Hard Rock uh, as a big tournament uh, that they're upcoming in February. But uh, obviously, that's got to be a dream come true. Of course, this year not a good test, or even last year with the Super Bowl because of uh, COVID, and and uh, you know. You have so many tourists in town that are looking for things to do. And, of course, there's South Beach and there's all the stuff they've heard of. But, you know, it's it's got to be a goal of any poker room to try to draw some of those people in. And I'm sure that the locals that are good players are looking for some new fish in the game. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, you know, like you said, up there they'll probably get a little bit of that. But it's funny because I was listening. I don't remember to what show it was here, uh, some sports show on the radio, that Camp City – was not even going to be flying in until either the Friday or the Saturday. The night. team, yeah. yeah. The team. Yeah, the team yeah. And, you know, with some of the restrictions going on, I mean, granted, our governor has wanted open, up, wide open the state, you know. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, yeah, but obviously this is not what they bargained for when they got they got yeah. awarded the Super Bowl, whatever yeah, years absolutely. that was. Well, we talked a little bit with Tony Burns about it last week, and they uh, obviously the Tampa Hard Rock, which continues to explode, uh, will be uh, trying to bring some of those people in this week and should be very interesting. Uh, listen, that's going to about do it for the show. Um, try to line up some guests, as always. It's tough at this time of year, but I did get to talk to a few people, and I want to run that Ronnie Barda uh, interview maybe next week. And uh, we'll try to get a hold of some of these people. I'll get uh, Michael and Angela on the show would be cool. And uh, Rivers. what's that? <laughs> Mickey Rivers. <laughs> if he was playing poker, it'd be a better story for us. But uh, unfortunately, I guess he's not a poker player. But uh, we'll see what happens. Joe, thank you, as oh. usual. Uh, Joe Costello, thank you, as usual. And uh, we'll bring you another show next week, Poker Action Line. Uh, things are starting to uh, grow a little bit in the poker world, which is great. Uh, you always got to be uh, cognizant about what's happening out there, but be safe, wear your mask, uh, sit behind the uh, plexiglass uh, barrier and don't breathe on anybody. That's, that's for sure. Uh, guys, thanks so much. And, uh, we'll talk to you next week. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 